All right. And hey, listen, we're going to do our Christmas uh, or our scripture reading a little bit different this morning. Because we have you guys in the room, uh, we're going to do this together. I wonder if I could get a few of you up here to help me kind of lead the church in our reading. Any volunteers? Maybe a few of you? Come on up, Tom. Yes, come, come. Come on, Joel. Yes, come on, Isla. All right. So we're going to do, yeah, whoever wants to come on, that's fine. And the, the scripture reading that we're going to do today is um, Psalm 136. And it's, it was originally written as a bit of a call and response liturgy for the church, okay? So uh, it's going to be on the screen. Pop it up there for me, Ashley. Uh, and you'll notice that uh, there's this repeating line throughout the whole thing. And that line is, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so what we're going to do is uh, these guys are going to help me lead the rest of you in our scripture reading. So we're gonna, I'm going to read the first line of each of those uh, uh, parts of the scripture, and then everybody else is going to help me lead these guys in that repeating song. Can you guys practice with me and say, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's try it again. One, two, three. For his steadfast love endures forever. Again, for his steadfast love endures forever. Everybody, for his steadfast love endures forever, okay? So we're going to repeat that line. It's going to hopefully get stuck in your head, and you're going to repeat that over and over again throughout the Christmas break, all right? Can we do that? We'll have to say it loads. Don't, don't get softer as we get along. Don't be screaming like a mad person. We're going to sing it nice and powerfully, nice and, nice and loud, okay? All right, let's do this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by his understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. Keep him, I want to hear you more. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the great kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. 
for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's finish strong here. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Well done, guys. Have a seat. Thank you, thank you. All right. If something goes on fire around you, feel free to get up and blow it out. And if there's a true fire, we'll go out these exits and all that. Those candles are getting small, that last week of Advent. So. All right. I have about 15 minutes to explain what Psalm 136 means and the beauty of it. You guys think you can sit still for 15 minutes? Parents, do you think they can sit still for 15 minutes? I've yet to see it. Um, you have your wee bags to kind of keep you quiet. Older ones, listen up. I'm going to maybe ask you a couple questions as we go along. Um, We've been making our way um, through some psalms uh, during this Advent season, and each of the psalms have, have really lined up and reflected those four traditional themes of Advent, the, the four gifts that each of these candles represent, which is hope, peace, joy, and love. Um, our, our focus, our goal hasn't been to merely reflect on those themes themselves. What is hope? What is peace? What is joy? What is love? Our, our, our goal has really been to fix our gaze on the person who offers us those gifts. Kids, who's, anyone guess who's the person who offers us peace, hope, joy, and love? Jesus. I'm glad you didn't say Santa. Um, Jesus is the one who offers us these things, and our, our goal is to see him more clearly. Um, Advent is about waiting it's about longing for this Savior who will come and fix the wrong things in the world. Uh, there's, this, there's this groaning cry of Advent that, that things are not the way they're meant to be. And, and the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of the, the Bible is that we have a God who fully agrees with that cry. He actually groans with us and says, I agree with that. And he, he, as a result, he takes action in order to save us. And I, I have an acquaintance recently who... Uh, tweeted, I don't know what the word is anymore, uh, but they, they made this post that said, hey, I, I'm looking for a, a, a traditional Christmas carol service that I could go to uh, that, that, where I can sing all the Christmas songs, but there's no mention of hell. Uh, you, in other words, they, they wanted to sing about those, those, those themes of hope, joy, peace, and love. They wanted the feelings of those things, but without the reason that they need those things in the first place. And I think the reason they were asking around for that kind of service is because it's, it's actually kind of hard to do in a good carol service, because what makes the good news so good is because of the terrible situation that we find ourselves in, um, the, the, the darkness that we find ourselves in in the first place. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 says this Messiah King will come to those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. On them, a light has shone when he arrives. John's gospel says that Jesus is the light that, that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, we are all born in the darkness. 
We're all born with the, the sin of our first father, Adam, in our hearts, with this, this, this natural desire to rage against God, as Psalm 2 says, to, to set ourselves against God, to, to, to try to attain freedom from God. And this breaks God's heart. And, and so this makes him angry, right? Anything that separates God from his children makes him angry because he's a good father. And so he must deal with our sin. Um, you see, we are in a, a deep, desperate, hopeless situation in our sin, but God's plan was to send us a savior. His, his plan was to send us his, his very son, the king of kings, to wage war against sin and death and darkness and Satan himself. And the good news of Christmas is that his first move to, to do that is not to come as a warring judge and wipe away his enemies. His, his first move was to come and die for his enemies. In order to offer us hope, peace, and joy, he comes and he, he dies in our place. And that's what these psalms that we've been looking at have been teaching us. And, but again, Jesus doesn't come just to simply offer us hope, peace, joy, and love. He comes to offer us himself because he is those things for us. He, he is the greatest gift. He's our only hope. He's our only peace. He's our only lasting joy. And he gives us a way to escape hell and, an, and enjoy an eternity of life with him. An eternity of, of making a joyful noise before our king. Isn't that the best news? Isn't that what, what makes Christmas so amazing? And so this last song that we're looking at, Psalm 136, we get this one last aspect of, of who this king is. Okay, we've, we've looked at hope, we've looked at peace, we've looked at joy, and Psalm 30, 136 is this great hymn of praise in response to this king who comes and loves. And the, the Jewish people called this song the great Hallel. Does anyone want to guess what that word Hallel means? What do you think Hallel means? What do you think, Tom? What'd you say? Peace? Nearly. What do you think? What? It makes saying hello, kind of. Hallel, it's actually, it's actually in another word that you probably have heard of. Anyone heard the word hallelujah? Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. That word hallelujah is actually a compound word. It's a few words put into one. Um, it, it consists of the word hallel, which means praise. And, it, and, it, and the other word that's smashed into that is the word yah, which is the, a shortened version of God's name in the Old Testament, Yahweh. It means praise God. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. And that's what Psalm 136 is doing. That this great hallel is this great song of praising God. And why are they praising him? What's the line that we repeated over and over and over again, kids? For his steadfast love endures forever. That's why they're praising God. And notice in the first three verses, it says, to give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the true God. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Give thanks to the one who is unlike any other. Give thanks to the one who is greater than anyone else. Give thanks to him, this king whose love never ends. And this is one of the things that makes this king different from every other king is his love endures forever, right? He loves unlike any other earthly king. 
who might have love for his subjects or a love for his kingdom or the nation that he's over, but the love of King Jesus is completely a different kind of love. That word that we repeated, steadfast love, it's this covenant love. It's this love of, of one person saying to another, I promise to never stop loving you. And they enter into a covenant. And this psalm is saying that, that this king is unlike us humans because he never breaks that promise. Right? His love, it never fades away. His love, it never doesn't show up. His love doesn't go up and down depending on how he's feeling that day. It's the same always. It's steadfast. Isn't that the best news? And the celebration of his love here is seen through these different sections of what this king has done for his people in his actions. And we won't go through it line by line, but here's the headlines of each section. Um, after the, the give thanks opening, uh, the next section in verses 4 to 9 tell us that this king is the creator. Those verses uh, retell the creation story of Genesis 1. Uh, he, he creates not by going to school and learning how to create. He, he creates not by learning a, a new trade or a skill. He doesn't follow an owner's manual. He creates by his own intelligence. He creates with his own understanding and by speaking. Right, The earth, the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. He's the one who created it all. The next section, verses 10 to 16, tell us that this king is the rescuer. And those, those verses retell the Exodus story. And remember Psalm 98, this God saves by his mighty hand with an outstretched arm. He, he, he brings his people out of captivity. He, he brings us by the hand out of death. He saves. He's the rescuer. The next section, verses 17 to 22, tell us that this king is the victor. Right? He's this mighty warrior who strikes down the enemies of his righteous kingdom. These verses retell for us what God did after he brings people out of, his, out of captivity in Egypt, after he brings them through uh, the wilderness, the, the victory that he continues to work for them once they enter into the promised land. He doesn't just, just bring his people out of a terrible situation and say, there you go, you have a second chance now. No, he doesn't just bring us from death to life. He continues to offer us saving grace. He continues to work salvation for his people. He continued to fight for them once Israel entered the promised land, and he continues to work victory for us today. We are, we are under the care of this creator, redeemer, who fights for his people. And lastly, from verse 23, the psalm tells us something incredible, that he's a friend. Right? He, he's, he's, he's not just some powerful king over his people. He's also a caring friend who cares about our daily estate. He cares about the needs of his people. There, there's, this, there's this subtle shift in the language in that last section. The, the previous sections were remembering what he had done in the past, remembering what he had done for their forefathers. But verse 23 turns and he speaks in the present. He says, remembered us in our low estate, rescued us from our foes. He even gives food to all flesh. There's this universal care of this king. And then verse 26 returns to this call to give thanks to the God of heaven. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. That his love, it's not something that their forefathers experienced. His love continues to surround his people in the present. And that is the underlying reason for this great Hallel, 
right? The, 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 this great song of praise. What are they thankful for? What are they praising God for? His steadfast love endures forever. It all points to his love. And, and, and don't miss that this psalm is telling us something incredible about this king, something deeper, right? It's not just that the people are, are thanking God and, and praising him for loving them. It's also telling us that the reason behind all of God's actions is his love, right? What's the reason God created the heavens and the earth and filled it with living creatures and, and filled it with his image, men and women, his steadfast love is the reason. What's the reason that he chose a complete nobody pagan called Abraham? And he chose to bless his descendants and to say, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And why did he choose to repeatedly save them over and over again when they repeatedly walked away from relationship with him? His steadfast love is the reason. Why does he continue to draw near to us? in our lowliness, in our poverty, when we still don't get it right. His steadfast love endures forever. Why doesn't this psalm celebrate his power? Right? Why doesn't this psalm celebrate his strength or his glory? Is he all-powerful? Is he all-glorious? Absolutely. Does he deserve our praise, our worship, our thanksgiving because of his strength, because of his glory? Absolutely. And in one sense, we can't understand one attribute of God without considering all of them, but there's something about his love that underpins it all. In fact, the, the elderly apostle John tells us that not only does love come from God, but God is love. God is love. Like, do you want to to see the purest uh, form of love? Do, do you want to experience love in the truest sense? Do you want to learn how to love someone properly? Then look to God in the flesh, King Jesus, because he is love and his love endures forever. I'm nearly finished here, but I want to point out uh, something incredibly important about how this King of Kings demonstrates his steadfast love for us. Uh, there, there's something else that makes this king different from every other king. This king works salvation for his people, and he fights for us. He even brings us out of darkness, brings us out of death. How does he do that? By drawing near to us. He, he, he doesn't simply command these things on high, command these things from his heavenly palace, from a safe distance. No, he himself enters into our darkness in order to save us. Does anyone, kids, does anyone know what the word condescending means? That's a big word, condescending. Uh, we usually use it in a negative way. Oh, they're so condescending, right? They, they, it means they, they speak down to us, right? Oh, they think they, they know so much more than us. They think they're better than us, and they, they're always condescending. But when we say that, that Jesus is the condescending God, it's actually the most beautiful thing about him. That this king who stoops low to our level, right? That this king who, who enters into our darkness in order to save us, in order to love us, that's incredible. Because he actually is so much greater than us. He actually is so much higher than us. He actually deserves our, our every praise. But as the apostle Paul tells us, we've all fallen short of God's glory. And yet, what does this king who, who dwells in unapproachable light do? 
He condescends. He, he, he puts on flesh. He becomes one of us. He enters into our weakness in order to bring us into the light. And that's the incredible news of Christmas. He sets aside the riches of heaven and he becomes a poor servant. He, he, becomes, he comes to us not as a warring judge at first, but as a baby. He comes to us with humility, with weakness. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. Because nothing will keep God away from his children. And so he, he comes to deal with our sin. He comes to set things right again. And he does it in the only way that will work. By dying the death that we deserve. You see, see Christmas is ultimately leading us to Easter. And Easter is the only thing that makes Christmas uh, more than just a nice story. Christmas is about the condescending God who comes to us in order to hang on a cross on our behalf, in order to defeat sin and death and Satan, in order to freely offer us the best gift, himself. And in offering us himself, he offers us hope because we are hopeless without him. And he offers us joy that, that is never ending in his presence. And he offers us a peace that we can count on. Because apart from Jesus, we can know no lasting peace. And he does all of this for one reason. Because his steadfast love endures forever. He loves you. He loves you. That's why he came into this world. That's why he endured a life of sorrows. It's why he endured a cross of persecution and death in your place. Because he loves you. But here's the thing. In order to receive this gift as Jesus is our hope, peace, joy, and love, we must accept the gift, okay? Imagine having gifts under your tree, and you say all those amazing presents, and you're like, oh, those are amazing, thank you, but you never open them. You must open the gifts. You must receive Jesus' love. Why not receive his gift of everlasting life with him this morning? Why not, why not confess your need of a Savior and place your faith in Jesus today. Today could be the day that you receive the best gift ever offered. I'm going to end uh, by reading a poem, a rowdy poem, okay, by a Puritan preacher called Thomas Watson that really captures the, the wonder and the love of this condescending God. He writes of Jesus, he says, he was poor that he might make us rich. He was born of a virgin that we might be born of God. He took our flesh that he might give us his spirit. He lay in a manger that we may lie in paradise. He came down from heaven that he might bring us to heaven, that the ancient of days should be born, that he who thunders in the heavens should cry in the cradle, that he who rules the stars should suck his, suck his mother's breast, that a virgin should conceive, that, that Christ should be made of a woman, and of that woman which he himself made, that the branch should bear the vine, that the mother should be younger than the child that she bare, that the child in the womb bigger than her mother, that the human nature should not be God, yet one with God. Come and worship. Come and worship this king who loves. Would you stand with me? We'll pray. And Father, we thank you that you are, uh, you are love. Um, you, you love us. You've always loved us. Your, your love does not fade. And you demonstrate that love by sending your son, your only son, to die in our place.
Lord, would you fill our hearts up with that, that good news this Christmas? We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen.